Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode 31 of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the last few episodes of the show. For those who happen to be listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space or the social geography using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits or oral history style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to communicate the personal and social significance of a given place. And we typically end the episode with a short documentary style piece that explores the place-based identity of the producer. The aim with these particular projects is to allow the producer to think about the places that made them who they are today. These are the types of projects that you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound, and in this episode, all of them were produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in Comms 4501 Digital Media Production, which is a fourth-year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. Before we listen to the projects, we're going to take a quick second to hear about a documentary podcast series produced by Megan Linton, an Ottawa-based researcher and disability justice activist. The series is called Invisible Institutions, and it explores the injustices of large-scale state institutions and their effects on those who are labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities. There are now seven episodes in this series, each of which opens up a different chapter about the history of institutionalization in Canada, showing the ways that this history still very much shapes our present. It's a timely production in light of the pandemic, and it raises questions about the ways that we do or do not care for the most vulnerable people in our society. The following is a trailer for the series, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about it, check out invisibleinstitutions.com or follow them on Twitter using the handle INVinstitutions. I have prison pen pals and there's more similarities between my living situation and the living situation in a prison institution. It was like a prison. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but it was. We were basically locked in our rooms, completely alone. 
Introducing Invisible Institutions, a new documentary podcast exploring the horrors of large-scale state institutions for people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities in Canada. The host and creator, Megan Linton, is a researcher and disability justice activist investigating the unreported and invisibilized horrors of the institutional system. Join her on her journey to the grounds of current and former institutions, including interviews with survivors, community activists, and experts, as they work together to expose the exploitation, isolation, resistance, and survival facing people labeled with disabilities. Find Invisible Institutions wherever you get your podcasts. Coming February 2022. Okay, on to the projects. In this episode, we'll listen to one audio portrait, one soundscape composition, and one audio documentary. Three projects in total. The first project is an audio portrait by Danny Clayton titled A Journey Home. It consists of an interview that Danny herself conducted with her uncle Gregory Samuel. In it, Gregory shares memories of growing up in Trinidad, and he shares some of the challenges that he faced after moving to Canada as a teenager. The second project is a soundscape composition titled A Quieter Carlton by Maddie McCready. In it, Maddie shares her experience being on campus during the fall semester of 2021, a moment when in-person learning was very limited and the bustle of everyday life on campus was still mostly silent. In spite of the quiet, Maddie's still grateful to have had this last opportunity to be on campus during her final year at Carleton. And the last piece we'll listen to is an audio documentary by Morgan Jones titled Ikigai, a Japanese term that refers to a sense of joy or purpose. The piece is autobiographical and it traces the ways that place has shaped Morgan's identity, how the places she's been, lived in, and traveled to have made Morgan who she is today. It's a very well-produced piece and it tells a captivating story about Morgan's desire to positively affect the everyday communities she's a part of. Okay, let's begin with Danny's audio portrait titled A Journey Home. Danny, over to you. Hey, my name is Danny, and this is my audio portrait. For this project, I decided to interview my uncle Greg. He is a ball of sunshine personified and always fills a room with smiles. In this audio composition, we were able to go back to his roots and uncover the exciting yet arduous path that led him here to Ottawa. Without further ado, here is his story. My name is Greg Samuel. I grew up in a place called Rio Claro, Trinidad. It's sort of a central location in the island. 
And I actually went to school in Port of Spain, Trinidad, which is the capital city. Um, I spent about four years there in high school. Uh, my favorite memory from my childhood was definitely um, roaming the bushes for fruits, hunting for fruits, catching birds and fishing. Those were my main activities. And there was quite a variety of really good meals, but I would have to say stewed chicken would probably be my favorite, followed by fried fish. And the reason why fried fish is because it um, uh, it releases a really loud aroma. So when we were coming from school as kids, we can smell our dinner cooking around the corner. Well, I had to grow up real fast when I came to Canada because I came at the age of 18 with no work experience and things like that. So it was just, a learning process from the day I landed here, you know, in Ottawa. Cold, <laughs> uh, lots of snow, huge buildings, you know, compared to the place I came from, the tallest building was probably about maybe six, six, seven stories. So, so seeing a real train was also an eye-opener. The big trucks, the huge land masks, the wide and busy roads, and the diversity and different accents of the people. It was always fascinating. A lot to take in at once. I had to grow up real fast. I first stayed with my sister for about three months, and after I was able to land a, you know, a job to help myself. And that job took me to Mississauga, Ontario. So three months in Canada, I was on my own. And it all started from the ground up. Work, food, and, uh, and a shelter over my head was my main goal you know, on a daily basis as well as, uh, you know, on a, on a long-term basis. It was just the number one priority to, to, to do well, be capable of, you know, taking care of your family, wife, kids. I'm very proud to share my culture with my family. I'm even happier to see some of it is being adopted by my sons. Uh, one of my sons is even playing the steel band. Invented in Trinidad, it is known to be the only musical instrument invented in the 21st century. It is our national instrument. So yes, I'm very proud to see, you know, they uh, adopting parts of it. Uh, my home is always warm and comfortable, filled with the aromas of Canadian or West Indian cooking, along with a good glass of wine and great music of all kinds. Uh, just a lot of good times. Now that I'm a proud Canadian, and all my family is Canadians, including my only grandson, Phoenix. I truly feel like a visitor. When I returned to Trinidad, we left as kids and returned as men. Your childhood friends have moved on, and some have some responsibility as you, and the new youths are playing different games. It's only when meeting family do you feel the past a little more, and uh, only then does the memory really kick in. My name is Maddie McCready, and this is my soundscape composition. In this project, I explored what Carlton looks like as we're coming back from quarantine and being off campus, and what sounds still stick around that I recognize from pre-COVID. A lot of the stuff that I used to really appreciate about campus is gone, but it's just making me appreciate a lot more of the stuff that is still here.
Walking to class used to be something that I would really look forward to. I always enjoyed being on campus and I used to make excuses to come here. I loved campus pre-COVID. I always enjoyed how much was always going on around me. I always thought it was so cool just seeing everyone else in their own world, listening to everyone in Starbucks, even the sound of the O train, even though it incited fear in me that I would miss my bus. I always enjoyed hearing the familiar sounds of school. sound of the O-Train is now replaced with a lot of construction, and while there's still some traffic and buses coming by, it's a lot less busy than it used to be. As I head to class, I stop in for a coffee. Thank you. Thank you. The coffee shop on campus is noticeably quieter too. They aren't playing music and there aren't any large groups meeting, but I still enjoy the background noise when I'm working and it's nice to see that some people are on campus even when they don't have to be. Walking to class, I usually cut through the university center. This is something I used to dread because it was so busy and there were so many people always trying to get me to sign up for their clubs or their sororities. I noticed now that I'm on campus after COVID, it's a lot less busy and less intimidating, but I kind of miss how busy it used to be. I enjoyed seeing people having fun and hearing laughter. As I walk through the food court, I noticed that there are some groups that are meeting and having lunch together, but it's just not the same. As I walk through Torrey Junction, I notice that there are no groups here. I only hear the sound of the fluorescent light bulbs above me and a couple of people walking past with carts. No one's here dancing, there's no music, no clubs are meeting, and there's no laughter. I will always remember the sound of the library elevator or the ringing of the O train. As a fourth year, it's sad to think that this is one of the last opportunities I'll have to hear some of these noises. I know that there are some first and second years that have never had the chance to have an in-person class and experience campus, but I think it's important that I take in as much as I can while I'm still at Carlton. Hey everyone, my name is Morgan Jones. I'm a fourth year student at Carleton University in the Communications and Media Studies Honors Program. So for this audio documentary, I explored the journey from my hometown to Ottawa and all the way to present day. And with that, how my identity and values have grown and been shaped along the way. Check it out.
Here I am, pouring myself a cup of coffee beside the Christmas tree in the living room of my student home in Ottawa, approaching the end of my undergraduate career, working on writing my applications for graduate studies, just trying to figure out where I'm going in life and what my next step is. But if I'm going to explain to you how I got here and became the person that I am, I suppose it would be best to start at the day that my whole life changed. It was grade 12. Graduation was approaching. I sat and watched everyone around me talking about the schools they always dreamt of going to and the professions they always knew they would end up in. I was faced with the pressure, anxiety, and panic associated with coming face-to-face with the biggest decision of my life so far. The worst nightmare for an indecisive and overly chatty 17-year-old who would tell you that they wanted to be a marine biologist and a cartoonist in the same breath and who was armed with nothing but the desire to escape their small town. I searched through lists of every program offered at each Canadian university and took a mystifying amount of what should I major in quizzes. I was stuck, sitting, wondering, questioning, what's next? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? Who am I? A few dozen Google searches later, I noticed a trend. Each career and life coach type style website said the same thing. To find your next act and your passion, look back to your childhood. I felt this to be a rather useless suggestion given how I was still considered a child myself, but nonetheless, I was in no position to turn down any advice. So, here we go. I grew up in Georgetown, a small city just west of the GTA, a traditional brick house on a cul-de-sac near the golf course. Contrasted against the nearly eerie silence of Cinderbark Terrace stood the inside of my family home. Filled with the sounds of my dad's favorite easy-listening playlist, the gentle conversations that take place in the kitchen as we cook our dinners, and the bursts of deep, hearty laughter that carry through the whole house. To describe this place as anything less than filled with love and warmth would be wildly inaccurate. I grew up with the constant and unconditional support of my parents, even when, looking back at the photos from my half-mullet, half-bowl-cut hair phase, I wish they hadn't. My parents accepted me for exactly who I am without hesitation. They taught me the importance of hard work and passion, always pushing me to be the best person that I can be. I was encouraged to follow my ambitions and, most importantly, to be kind to others. I grew up watching my parents do everything in their power to support those around them. This is what encouraged me to do the same. At 14 years old, I decided to follow in my parents' footsteps. I started volunteering as a coach with Georgetown's Special Olympics track and field team. Working with that group was, and remains, one of the most valuable experiences of my life. I got to spend every Wednesday night over at the track of my old high school, running laps with the athletes and watching their faces light up as they would sprint past the crowd of parents cheering in the bleachers. Being part of and surrounded by such a positive, uplifting, and encouraging environment taught me the power of inclusivity and advocacy. 
And so as far as that reflective exercise goes, this was it. This was who I am. And it was thinking back on all of those nights I spent standing on that old track where I truly found my passion in life. To give back and to find purpose through helping others. After countless more hours spent sitting with my parents, reminiscing on my childhood, and my clear desire to help others, it hit me. Communications. I could get a degree that would allow me to harness my outspokenness and put it towards making real change for those around me. And what better way to escape the constraints of a small town than by living it up in the capital city? So there I was, standing in the driveway of my childhood home one September morning three years ago, beside a car full of my hopes and dreams and a few garbage bags full of clothes, headed for Carleton University, feeling nervous to leave the comfort of Georgetown, but filled with anticipation, ready to take on the world. A few days later, I found myself standing outside of the lecture hall in Minto building, anxiously waiting for my first Introduction to Human Rights lecture to begin. I was there 20 minutes ahead of schedule, of course, because my dad always told me that early is on time and on time is late. There were crowds surrounding me, people pushing by, rushing to class, or making their way back home. I was surrounded by chaos. I had never felt the feeling of being so lost and small while watching so much happen around me. The class before me finally filed out. I made my way into the lecture hall and up the stairs. I kept my head down, sat in the chair closest to the back of the room, took a deep breath, and pulled out my laptop. I had no idea what to expect. It wasn't long into that class that I realized first that lecture hall seats are incredibly uncomfortable, and second, that I truly did have no passion greater than for equality and advocacy. As the semester went on and I continued on my academic journey, I realized that this large, outdated, and stale-smelling room was so much more than just a place that I went to frantically take notes as I tried to keep up with the speed at which the PowerPoint moved and the professor spoke, because honestly, that's just impossible. But rather, this one spot on Carleton's campus came to symbolize opportunity and growth. It was within the four walls of this lecture hall that I was given the space to learn, grow, and most of all, to explore this burning desire of mine to help others. Here, I began to see the possibility of translating this from not just an interest, but to a career, a lifelong mission. Over the next few years at Carleton, I spent countless hours sitting in my room, working away at my degree. I took communications courses that were tailored towards social justice and equity issues. I finished my seventh season with Special Olympics, got a job as a facilitator for a federal research project supporting students with intellectual disabilities, and I'm even writing my honors thesis paper on digital and social inequalities during the COVID-19 pandemic. Ottawa. Though I do miss living within the comforting walls of my childhood home, is where I feel I belong most. I have learned that there is something much bigger than me here, and I've even come to embrace the feeling of being so small as I stand amongst the bustling crowds on campus or out in the city while I watch everything happen around me. 
Ottawa is the place where I have gotten to see this desire of mine to support others become a concrete and tangible item. I can see the work that I am doing and the effect or potential that it has to help better the worlds of those around me. It is a place of wonder, imagination, and opportunity. It's shown me that no dream is too big and that I really do have the power to be anything that I want to be. And so now here I am again, sipping on my cup of coffee beside the Christmas tree in the living room of my student home in Ottawa, approaching the end of my undergraduate career, working on writing my applications for graduate studies. I still have no idea what my dream profession is, but unlike the feeling of graduating high school, as this chapter comes to a close, there is no feelings of fear or uncertainty, because I know that no matter where I end up, be it back in Georgetown, here in Ottawa, or a new city altogether, I will always have my family behind me, and that no matter what happens, I am going to continue on my mission of growth and devoting my life to giving back to those around me. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. But before I sign off, a couple of quick notes. A reminder that what we've listened to here on this show is only a fraction of the work produced in association with this project. If you're interested in checking out more, have a look at theplaceofsound.ca, where you're not only able to hear this audio work, but also see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with the audio. There's also a featured work section on the site's blog where you can access some notable individual projects. And in the classes section, you can have a look at the portfolio websites designed by students themselves, which host every project that they've produced in the course. And lastly, under the listen link, you're able to access the show's archive and listen back to any of the episodes of the show that you'd like to hear. But in the meantime, keep your ear out for upcoming episodes of the show, which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30 p.m. and are available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Place of Sound.